You are listening to The Real Men Feel Show with your hosts, Andy Grant and Apio Hunter. Real Men Feel encourages men to allow and express all of their emotions. Despite what you may have been taught, all emotions do serve you. Real Men Feel is committed to engaging in discussions that most men aren't having. But you don't need to be a man to join us. The Real Men Feel Show is produced live each Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern for your growth and enjoyment. Listen to us on podcast platforms including iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. You can also watch the show on YouTube by visiting realmenfeel.org slash YouTube. Come back often and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or subscribe on iTunes by visiting realmenfeel.org slash iTunes. You can follow us on Twitter at realmenfeel.org and on Facebook, facebook.com slash realmenfeelshow. All links mentioned in each episode are in the show notes found on the blog at realmenfeel.org. Show your support for Real Men Feel by shopping at realmenfeel.org slash swag, by visiting digitaltipjar.com slash realmenfeel, or even text us a tip. You can show some love for Real Men Feel by texting Real Men Feel, that's all one word, to 504-226-5306. You'll receive a link back to complete your tip and choose the amount. This is a weekly program and your reviews, comments, feedback, and participation are welcome during the live show and anytime in our Facebook group, on Twitter, or at realmenfeel.org. Now, let's dive into this week's show. Hello and welcome to another edition of Real Men Feel. This is Andy Grant, your host with the Feelers. I don't know what that means, uh, but uh, <laughs> you know, um, tonight's one of those. I, I really like shows when we have a guest return because that really means like that we really enjoyed them, or it could mean like I'm scraping at the bottom of the barrel. But it really means that we really enjoyed them and coming back to add add more depth and more everything. Uh, and of course, the person that's that's you know usually here, Mr. Apio Hunter, is here. Yes, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's been it's it's kind of funny because for for a little while I was on the streak of having to to miss out. Either I was out of the country or something came up, and it's good to be back into a rhythm again. Cool, cool. And uh, yeah, so so Rick Belden is joining us again, and Rick has been exploring and chronicling the psychology and inner lives of men for thirty years in his work as a poet, author, artist, and coach, and and podcast guest. We should add that. <laughs> right. This, this is Rick's second appearance with us. And, and, and Rick, before we get going, I, I, I shared with you before the show started, but um, the last time you were on, which was episode 89, done on April 10th, exploring father wounds and mother wounds. And I think that set a record for the number of guys that privately messaged me and emailed me saying what a great episode that was, that they had gotten tremendous insights. And, and they all, the most common comment was um, seeing the differences in father wounds and mother wounds and how we had permission to, to go after dad, but mom was sacred. Mm -hmm. uh, and that really is struck a nerve with a lot of guys. Yeah, I believe it. Uh, and uh, as I was telling you, I was, I was actually on a, uh, interviewed on a program in uh, on a FM station in Jamaica uh, Sunday morning for 20 minutes. And we were talking about the mother wound and that very thing came up the business of how it is difficult to approach that and how it is considered to be largely taboo, uh, especially in relation to, as you said, the father wound, where it's just like, hey, have at him. You know, he can take it. That's all right. We expect it. Uh, but the mother wound is uh, far different in that way in that people tend not to want to talk about it or even hear anybody talk about it. And there was a fair amount of uh, pushback in, on social media uh, that the host was seeing during that conversation. Oh, to, to, to being against having the conversation? Yeah, there were some challenges around that about we shouldn't necessarily even be talking about this. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. So there's mm. such, such resistance to looking at their wound that they don't want anyone talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't all that. Yeah. I mean, but there, that was a, you know, there was a segment of the, the listening, the listeners who were engaged uh, through social media during the conversation that were, kind of waving their hands and going, no, 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 no. Cool. Well, um, tonight what we want to explore is, is the notion of, of a highly sensitive man. And um, 
I know that you, you would written a blog post a few years ago now mm -hmm. about this subject. And, and I think it was the first time, you know, I got to take that back. I was going to say it's probably the first time I heard that term, but I'm sure it wasn't, but it's, it's a term I don't like hearing. I don't like seeing myself in that term, so, uh, but I am. Um, so I probably didn't want to recognize it or, or remember it, but that's what I'm talking about. And I think the best place to start is, you know, wh what do you mean by a highly sensitive man? Yeah, so uh, I'm actually going to share some uh, definitions around that so that we can have a good foundation to have the conversation. Uh, the, the broader term is highly sensitive person. And uh, because I'm a man, uh, I'm most interested in the highly sensitive man uh, subset of that population. And uh, according to the, the research that's been done by uh, a woman named uh, Dr. Elaine Aaron, she's a clinical psychologist. And uh, she did, I believe, the pioneering work on this subject. Uh, according to her research, anywhere between 15 to 20 percent of the general population, she would classify as a highly sensitive person. And we'll get into what some of the criteria are for that in a moment. Uh, the important fact about that in her work that struck me that I think is uh, really useful to be aware of is that the breakdown of that 15 to 20 percent of the general population that she considers highly sensitive is 50-50 between men and women. Yeah. Uh, I think a lot of people would might tend to think <clears throat> that uh, there would be a higher percentage of women who would be uh, classed as highly sensitive, but uh, the research that she's done has consistently shown that it's just about even between men and women. Yeah, that I, so, I got to admit. Yeah, that that seems surprising to me in my stereotypical <laughs> looking at things. So, <laughs> right, and it was surprising to me as well. Um, and so that's one of the reasons that's important is because given the the nature of the culture that we live in, and the ways that uh, male behavior and female behavior are, are sort of defined or predefined in terms of what's acceptable and what's not. Uh, you know, you're talking about one in five men who are kind of uh, trying to swim uphill, as I like to say, uh, you know, given the fact that uh, sensitivity in men is not really encouraged or valued and is often actively and aggressively discouraged. Uh, and then you look at uh, one in five men who are on the higher end of sensitivity, uh, according to the criteria that uh, Dr. Aaron has established. And you're talking about, you know, like one in five guys uh, that you know uh, that might be having some problems with this because it flies in the face of what they believe they're supposed to be like. Hmm. So that was, uh, I think that was one of the, the themes of the blog post that I wrote about that you talked about, uh, which was called, I'm, I'm a Highly Sensitive Man. And it first appeared on the Good Men Project about four and a half years ago, I think. And, uh, and then it's appeared on some other sites as well. So uh, let me uh, back up a little bit here and talk about a definition. So um, there is a, uh, there's a personality trait called sensory processing sensitivity. Uh, and that is characterized by a high level of sensitivity to external stimuli. Uh, tends to correlate with a greater depth of cognitive processing and high emotional reactivity. A human with a particularly high measure of sensory processing sensitivity is considered to be a highly sensitive person. Uh, this terminology has been around since about the mid-1990s. Uh, as I said, uh, psychologist uh, Elaine Aaron is most famous for her work in this, which she did with her husband. And um, so, again, as I said, about 15 to 20 percent of the population uh, is thought to uh, process sensory data more deeply due to the nature of their central nervous system. So that's important. Uh, we're actually talking about physiology here. Uh, we're not talking about... Uh, a, a choice uh, that a person gets to consciously make about how much information they're going to process, how much they're going to take in, and how deeply that they need to do it. Um, so uh, one of the things that we're that we're talking about here is capacity. Uh, and so um, one of the important elements of this that, uh, and I think kind of last thing I'm going to read here is that um, uh, Dr. Aaron has said that. Sensory processing here refers not to the sense organs as such, but what occurs as sensory information is transmitted to or processed in the brain. Um, so we're actually talking about 
internal physiological processes here that are innate, uh, again, that are not choices. And the other thing that she emphasizes a lot is that this is not, she does not see this as a disorder. Uh, it is a trait and it has its uh, plus side and its minus side, it has its pros and cons. Um, and so, uh, you know, we're not trying to characterize people here as having some sort of defect, not at all. I don't consider myself to have a defect. Yeah. Uh, I consider myself to have a trait that, uh, as I said, uh, provides me with some advantages in certain circumstances and some disadvantages in others. And I'm not, it's something that I am learning to manage over time more and more because we don't really live in a culture just at large uh, that tends to favor deep processors who maybe take a little longer uh, to move through a situation because they're taking in so much information and it's, it's going in so deep along, along so many different channels at once that uh, there's a lot to do to make sense of it and formulate it and understand it and then respond in a positive or appropriate or effective way. Cool. So it, it's not that, I think kind of the, the, the quick reaction to that term is, is, you know, highly sensitive means overly sensitive, but mm -hmm. I like the way you're phrasing it is more, no, it's, it's a deeper sensation, feeling more. Right. Cool. Right. And we're not just talking about emotional sensitivity. That's the other important part of it. This is physiological. Um, right. So, uh, you know, I notice with myself, for example, if, uh, if I go into, like, if I go to the massage therapist, and I go every couple of weeks. If she has changed something in that room, I notice it the first time almost right away. Uh, a lot of people, I think, might take them a few months or it might, it might not register. But that's just an example of the, the kind of subtlety that is uh, sort of part and parcel of taking in a lot of information. And that's the kind of sensitivity. It's really, you know, emotional sensitivity is part of it. Or can be part of it, but really for me, it's about the amount of information that is being taken in. Uh, it's almost like having uh, an antenna that you know you have a cheap antenna picks up three channels, you have a really good one that picks up fifty. Well, you know that's a lot more information to process, and one is not better than the other. That's the other point I like to always try to get up front. Is like I'm not saying that a highly sensitive man. I'm not saying that the one in five men who's highly sensitive is better in any way uh, than the other four. That, that is not the case. It's just a case of, of different. Um, and, and again, some people are going to be, you know, the, the four out of five are going to be better in some situations, you know, off the, right off the bat. Uh, the one in five might take a little bit longer to ramp up and then catch up, and they might actually exceed. Uh, but this is not a, a, any kind of judgment of one being better than the other. I, I want us to make space for everybody, you know? Right. Cool. Sure, yeah, so that's an important conversation for sure. And, you know, when you're talking about traits, that's something I absolutely can relate to because, you no, know, as recently as the, I think it was like the 1960s or the 1970s. So, I mean, it, it's a little while back, but, uh, you know, the American Psychological Association had characterized homosexuality as a, as a disorder. Mm -hmm. And now it's recognized as an actual physiological trait. So, so to see that classification of that this high, being highly sensitive as a trait, as opposed to a quote unquote disorder, is extremely heartening to see. Yeah, and a lot of people bristle at it. I mean, I've had conversations with people before saying, "I, I don't want to be tagged. You know, I don't be, I don't want to mm -hmm. be labeled. This sounds negative." <clears throat> and you're right. There's a lot of history around that with with other personality traits, other physiological traits, etc. Uh, and I understand, but I, you know, I don't I don't see it that way. You know, I see this as a yeah. as a way of. For me, it was a revelation when I first came across it because it, it was you know this is back in the day when you go to the bookstore, mm -hmm. and um, I was in there and I was kind of you know fingering my way through the bookshelf and I was looking for something. And I wound up on this book, The Highly Sensitive Person, uh, How to Thrive When the World Overwhelms You. I think that's the full title by Dr. Elaine Aaron. And I picked it up and I just started to page through it. And I, I was like, well, that's me. 
you know, that's me. I'd never seen anything like that before. I just, th I thought I was defective and I thought something was wrong with me. And I thought I needed to keep trying to change it because the way I was didn't seem to fit. Um, and so that was an important moment in my life to see that somebody had actually studied this and done it in a systematic way and could actually reflect myself back to me uh, in a way that was positive and supportive and, and not, uh, not, not judgmental and not uh, in a way that was distressing and made me feel like I'm just not doing myself the right way here. So growing up, you weren't, you weren't embracing your sensitivity in, until you discovered this, this research and, and, and these terms. Yeah, I was in my mid-40s, I think, when I finally found that, um, <clears throat> which is about right. It's like mid to late 90s uh, that this work started to come out. So, um, yeah, I, you know, I grew up with the same sort of, um, I guess, uh, in the same sort of context that a lot of boys and men grow up, uh, you know, be tough, be resilient. And I'm not against that. That's all good, mm -hmm. you know, but uh, I like to see us broaden that out so that uh, I'd like to see us broaden things out so that all men can uh, be comfortable with and embrace and express their sensitivity to whatever degree is right for them. Uh, I am not on a campaign to make all men highly sensitive. It's not possible, it's not physiologically possible, and it's not desirable. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I mean, in the kind of, uh, and it was the, you know, I had a father who was just like very abusive, and a lot of that abuse was around, you throw like a girl, you run like a girl, you know, all those kind of things stop crying or I'll give you something to cry for. Uh, I'm not doing thing fa things fast enough. Uh, so it was, I, I received almost completely negative reinforcement about my masculine identity uh, as a child from my father, from coaches, uh, from other boys and from other girls, you know, not other girls, I'm not a girl, but from, from girls as well is what I mean. Um, and, uh, but it can feel like that. It can feel like you're one of the girls. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, it was, uh, there wasn't, there didn't, I didn't feel like there was really a space for me uh, with the boys or the girls, to be honest with you. Um, and so I spent a lot of time by myself. And, uh, you know, at recess, I would, you know, go around the corner and sit by myself and just, you know, imagine things or whatever. Uh, because uh, I did not, uh, it was difficult for me to, uh, especially uh, physical activities, it was difficult for me to pick things up. And to move as fast, uh, and uh, and again, I was processing everything that was going on around me, and uh, it, it seemed like uh, it seemed like it was not a good thing, you know. And so I learned more and more to hide it, especially got got into teenagers and so forth, uh, to just hide it more and more and more. And I became very alienated from myself, uh, which caused problems in my twenties uh, that I had to begin to address. So um, you know, there's something about giving up. A, a primary uh, aspect of who you are that is extremely, extremely self-destructive. Um, and unfortunately, when we're talking about uh, this particular topic of sensitivity in men, and particularly highly sensitive men, I think a lot of highly sensitive men have experienced this sort of thing sure. uh, because they are in a minority. Uh, they are not the typical case. And there's not a lot of, there hasn't been a lot of room for the atypical case, I guess. Yeah, it's not something that's celebrated. Um, actually, there was a, re a review of Real Men Feel, the, this, this show, uh, last year, someone wrote, uh, finally, there's a home for sensitive men. And when I read that, I recoiled. Like, oh, I, like, I still, like, it's, and it comes from childhood. Like, I don't like being called sensitive, but, but I know I am. And, and it's, it's like, I can say it, but if someone else says it about me, it feels like an insult. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's, well, I mean, it's often used as an insult. Mm. Um, so. Yeah. I even, uh, I, I mean, I'll admit this, so on my LinkedIn page, <clears throat> which is uh, for this kind of work, and it's also for the work I've done in information technology, because LinkedIn doesn't allow you to have two separate pages for different career branches and stuff like that. Uh, when I list uh, my articles uh, that I've done, you know, in, in this realm of man and masculine psychology and so forth, I don't even put I am a highly sensitive man on the list because I'm concerned that an IT recruiter might look at it and go, oh, this guy's trouble, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's kind of sad. 
Yeah. And it yeah. goes back to the notion of nice guys finish last and don't be a wuss and yeah, you know, don't be a girl. All those kind of things are, are, are wrapped into the, the negative outlook of sensitivity, but you mentioned pros and cons. So what, what are some of the pros of being a highly sensitive? Man? <clears throat> well, I, th I think one of them is, uh, you know, if you're looking at, um, if you're looking at uh, an organization, uh, being a member of an organization, what I found with myself is if, if I start, uh, if I start a job at the same time somebody else does, and I, I find for the first maybe couple of months they're just racing ahead of me, and it looks like I'm not doing much, uh, and I start to feel like, you know, maybe I'm not too good at this, maybe I'm not the right person, but I've learned that what's going on with me is I'm processing a lot of information really deeply, and I'm building a really thorough internal model of what's going on there, and who the people are, and all that kind of stuff. And once I've got that in place, then I start to move pretty efficiently uh, through work. And I start uh, getting things, uh, pulling things together pretty rapidly. And I also find that, uh, and I think this is true uh, as a rule for highly sensitive people, they tend to be detail-oriented, they tend to be thorough, uh, and they tend to get things right the first time. And the outcome tends to be pretty solid because their tendency is to do all that all that processing work on the front end. Uh, now, sometimes that means that it takes a little longer to get things together and, and get them out. Uh, but uh, we tend as highly sensitive people to prepare well and be ready and not step into something until we're actually ready to, to handle it and, and master it. And, and what, what about emotionally or in relationships where, where the, that emotional sensitivity rises up? Where, where does that help? Well, for me, it's helpful uh, in terms of uh, understanding other people. Uh, because, uh, because, and again, you know, I speak about myself a lot of the time. I'm not a clinician uh, and I'm not a psychotherapy professional. So I speak about myself and my own experience and, and also observation of others and reading. Uh, I think that in general, highly sensitive people uh, have a pretty uh, available capacity, whether they're men or women, to be uh, empathetic uh, and to listen and to uh, take their time with another person and actually take in what the person's saying and to some extent kind of feel their way through it with them. Uh, and so uh, I think highly sensitive people can be really great friends and, and really great uh, in intimate relationships. But um, there is also, uh, I think, uh, because of the, um, how can I put this, because of the volume of emotional information uh, that a highly sensitive person is dealing with at any given time, uh, it might take them some time to master that um, so that they don't get overwhelmed uh, by somebody else's emotions. Uh, and overwhelm is a big sort of pitfall for highly sensitive people uh, because, again, there's, we just naturally take in so much information. And frequently, I found with myself, and I think this is true for other highly sensitive people, and highly sensitive men included, uh, it's necessary to step back away from overload and pull back in your own space and actually have some time to process through things so that you actually understand what you're feeling, what the other person's feeling, how to put words to it. And of course, how to put words to feelings is a challenge in general for men, uh, as opposed to uh, women tend to have a quicker capacity, uh, a greater accessibility to words, to put words to feelings. Some of that is physiological, some of that is cultural, uh, but um, one of the, uh, uh, I think if, if I were going to advise a woman who is going to be in a relationship with a highly sensitive man, it's to, it's to say, he's going to need some space. Uh, and it's not about you. Uh, and it's not about him being unhappy with you. He's just likely to reach a point where he can't give you anything because he's basically, uh, his circuit breakers have started to go off. Um, because he's getting overloaded by what's coming in from the outside and what's coming from the inside as well at the same time. And it's, and it's overwhelm not due to weakness or defectiveness. 
it's overwhelmed due to a heightened ability to take in more information. I would say that's a very good way to put it, yeah. And it's not just an ability, it's, a, um, it's your nature. Um, so that's one of the things that highly sensitive people tend to have to learn to do in a kind of culture that we're in where, where everything's very extroverted uh, and everything is happening all at once, all the time. And we're all supposed to be busy and we're all supposed to be, you know, surrounded by an IMAX screen all the time. Uh, you know, is that uh, highly sensitive people, highly sensitive men, uh, have to learn how to buffer uh, the information around them, have to make some selections about what sorts of situations they're going to put themselves in, and learn to realize that certain types of situations are going to be more overwhelming than others. So I'm curious about something since you mentioned you know, extroversion and so forth. The, the studies that you looked at really dive into it, it, it go into any sort of like granular level as far as how many, what percentage of those highly sensitive men identify as being introverted or extroverted at all? That is such a great question. And I'm so glad you brought that up. Now, I don't have those numbers for you, but mm -hmm. the distinction is important. In other words, a highly sensitive person does not automatically equate to an introvert. Uh, mm -hmm. There are highly sensitive extroverts, uh, which sounds a little counterintuitive at first, but it's, it's really not because we're talking about two different personality traits. Um, now, I, I think in the main, uh, the, the majority of uh, highly sensitive people, HSPs as they're called, are probably going to correlate to introversion as well. Uh, right. But uh, I have, based on the reading that I've seen, and Dr. Aaron makes a, makes a point of this to say, this is not the same as being introverted. Right. Yeah, that, that, that definitely makes sense. Because uh, I'm sitting here processing all this myself right now, and I'm thinking, hmm, because at times I see myself as being introverted, other times I see myself as being highly extroverted. It just really depends on the circumstances. But there's mm -hmm. always that, that processing and processing and processing. At times it's almost overwhelming. But you can be extroverted at the same time. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, yeah. and the other the other thing about this, and I'm I'm not really well versed in this, but there's another trait uh, called uh, HSA, HSS, which is high sensation seeking. Uh, mm -hmm. So you could be a highly sensitive person, HSP, and you could also be high sensation seeking. So in other words, you're sort of wired to get over to overwhelm yourself. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about so, a double whammy, right? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, you, you can you can literally be a highly sensitive person and high sensation seeking. So you might be highly sensitive and also want to ride roller coasters, yeah. which sounds again, counterintuitive, but these are different <laughs> traits. There you go. Yeah, so these are different traits that can, that can coexist. Um, and so it's, it's not just a simple kind of cookie cutter, you know, well, if you're highly sensitive, then you want to stay home all the time and you know, you'd never go rock climbing. It's like, no, it's not like that. So you could be a daredevil that's easily overwhelmed. Yes, yes, which sounds like a difficult life. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like I'm loving, I'm loving hell. Basically. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm, I have, uh, I would say that I have a bit of uh, high sensation seeking myself. Um, so I have some, I have some experience with that. And, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not comfortable to stay in what would be my safe zone. Uh, I need to get out of it. And when I get out of it, I have to be aware that I may get overloaded and overwhelmed, and I may have to pull back sooner than I want to. But, but yeah. the awareness of those traits is what helps you navigate them well. Exactly. When you're not aware, uh, it's, you're, just, you're just driving blind. Hmm. Uh, and, and worse than that, I mean, I think you're, you're not just driving blind, you're, you're driving uh, in sort of a virtual reality that's not yours. Uh, you know, that's been imposed on you. There's so much, you know, so much of my life is like, uh, you know, I shouldn't be like this. <clears throat> you know, I should be more like that guy, or I should, you know, I should be, uh, you know, again, I got it a lot. It's like, why are you so sensitive? Don't be so sensitive. I heard that so many, so many times. It's like, that's just not helpful. You know, it's like, why, why are you a biped? Why are you not a quadruped? You know, what I mean, it's like, it doesn't do any good. I'm not gonna, I can walk around on my hands and, you know, 
all fours all day long. It doesn't make me a quadruped. You know, it's like you have to be what you are and you have to understand what you are so that uh, so that you can actually have an authentic life and you can have most of all the most important thing to have a good relationship with yourself uh, that's built from that's uh, that's founded on self-understanding as opposed to some kind of externally imposed idea of what you should be like as a man or what you should be like as a woman. And the people that you come across or in your own experiences, um, do, do you see highly sensitive men try to lower their sensitivity or, or hide it or, you know, push that trait away somehow? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, a lot of men who are highly sensitive, kind of alluding back to what you said earlier, Andy, a lot of men who are highly sensitive would be horrified to be called that. Mm. I mean, because again, you know, culturally, especially when it comes to men, you know, we have this, there's sort of an association there that sensitive equals weak, uh, you know, sensitive equals fragile. Um, and, you know, I, my, you know, one of the statements I made in the, in the blog article that you talked about before was that, you know, I came to the conclusion that if you're going to be highly sensitive as particularly as a man in the sort of culture that we're in, you have to pre, be pretty damn strong. Uh, you have to be very strong to be who you are and hold that sense and that identity of who you are as a highly sensitive man in the kind of culture that we have. Uh, just because uh, there is so much that tells you that you shouldn't be like that. Mm. I love I love putting it that way, and and I I've shared this story multiple shows too. When I when I've spoken in front of military audiences and you know the bravest guys in the world and risking their lives day in and day out, but when it comes to crying in front of their their fellow warriors, that's horrifying. They they mm -hmm. can't go there, mm -hmm. and, and yeah. So um, the notion of of owning your sensitivity and being proud to display it as this sense of being this brave, courageous man, I you know I like that. <laughs> Well, and it's something you have to do day to day, um, you know, you, and moment to moment. It's like if you're a highly sensitive man, you, you, you get to or you have to make that decision moment to moment about how much of that you're going to show, uh, you know, whether it's in the workplace, whether it's in a family setting, whether it's in a social setting, <clears throat> whether it's in a relationship. Um, and it can, be, it can be a very tricky thing, I think, for a woman to, who, especially, a, well, I'll put it this way. You might think, uh, that if you put a highly sensitive man and a highly sensitive woman together in a relationship, that would work great. <laughs> We're all shaking our heads. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. That's just uh, drama, 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 right? I, I'm, not, I'm not saying it can't work, uh, but I, I think that it, it, it ups the, uh, the level of difficulty uh, because you, you, by definition, you have, the po a strong possibility of two people getting overwhelmed in each other's presence at the same time. Um, and if they are not aware that they have the trait and if they have not uh, begun to learn the skill set that's necessary to manage it successfully and effectively, then, uh, you know, you can have a couple of people that are just like, you know, a couple of raw edges rubbing against each other. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's not a good situation. Now, again, I'm not saying that, you know, it's not possible for that to work. Uh, but even if you have a highly sensitive man, one out of five, uh, in a relationship with a woman uh, or another man who is in the four out of five, uh, both parties have to do some work to understand each other. Uh, because uh, I think it's difficult. I can't know this because, you know, the, the body I'm in is highly sensitive. But I could imagine that it would be difficult for someone who's not in a highly sensitive body with a highly sensitive physiology to understand the experience of the person who is. Mm -hmm. uh, why does it take, and I'm, I'm in a relationship with a wonderful woman right now, and uh, I confound her all the time uh, because of the depth that I have to go into to understand things uh, when I get triggered or when I get, uh, you know, when there's any kind of friction or whatever. It's like, I really want to understand what's going on here. You know, and uh, whereas a lot of people might go, oh, yeah, you know, we had a, we had that thing again, you know, and then they just carry on. But, you know, for me, ev every life is just deep for me. Uh, it just is by by its nature. And I've come to realize that it, not everybody experiences life that way, uh, which is not to say, again, there's no better or worse here. 
Uh, it's just a matter of different types of experience as a human being. Yeah. You know, Lori dropped a comment into the into the chat when we were talking about highly sensitive man plus highly sensitive woman and the the craziness that can come out of that. And I mean, I love her comment because it's it really goes to the essence of that particular dynamic, but even more so, just relationships in general, which is that you have to be in your core essence to make that type of a relationship work. Otherwise, you end up dropping into victim mindset or poor me conversations or, mm -hmm. or overwhelm. Right. Right. And that, and that, you know, that, the thought that brings up for me too, is that, uh, you know, uh, I think we talked about this during my last appearance. We talked about the difficulty that some men have establishing boundaries, uh, mm -hmm. and knowing what they are and keeping them. And so, uh, you know, that's another one of those things that for highly sensitive people is, is just critically, you know, crucially important, uh, is your ability to understand what a boundary is, uh, when you need to set it, how you need to go about it, what it takes to keep it, uh, because uh, if if you're if you're on the if if you're at risk of getting overloaded, and getting overwhelmed by your environment, uh, and I say risk, that's a strong word, but I think you guys know what I mean. You know, sure, if yeah. if, the, if you have that potential at all times, then just imagine how important it is to be able to set boundaries and be skillful with that and keep them. Um, and, and also how difficult it can be, uh, yeah. because again, you know, we're talking about, uh, almost, a you know, uh, an exponential difference, uh, between the four out of five and the one in five in terms of how important boundaries are and, and how in some ways sophisticated, uh, they need to be for someone who's highly sensitive, who's just on the verge of being flooded with information all the time. And it's not, and again, it's not just about crying it's not just about feelings it's just not just about emotional it's about like a whole whole body is a physical experience it's a psychological experience it's emotional it's all of that the, those four out of five that aren't highly sensitive are they all the same level of sensitivity or are there low sensitivity men as well how, do, how does how, what's the other four or five? Uh, you know i would i don't know this uh for a fact but i would suspect that there we're talking about uh some kind of spectrum here uh, because I think the way that uh, the one out of five was determined was Dr. Aaron developed a, te a test with a set of questions, and she uh, she tested her test over and over again. And I believe uh, she just sort of uh, she drew the line at 20% and said, "Okay, anybody that takes the test and falls in this 20%, I, I want to classify as highly sensitive." Uh, I, I doubt that that means that the four out of five are a monolith. You know, in the other 80% where they're all at the same level, I, I would doubt that. That probably doesn't make too much sense to me. Um, but I don't know if that answers your question or not. But that's that was that's what I would expect. That there would continue to be variation. In other words, right? Yeah. yeah. And and what is so? Is there a secret to? I think you used the the word that you embraced your sensitivity. I, I say I'm embracing it. Embracing it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. In the moment, too. Yeah, it is. It's a, it's a, you know, it's a process as much as it's an event. Certainly, there was that moment when I came across Dr. Aaron's work, and there was a moment, a moment being over the course of how many days or weeks I was taking it in. Uh, but there was a moment, even when I opened the book, where I, I just kind of went, aha, you know. And so I guess I've had several embracing events <clears throat> around being highly sensitive. But, uh, you know, in the, I guess, from a day-to-day -day situation, uh, it's something that I have to embrace on an ongoing basis. Because, mm -hmm. again, there are still all sorts of voices and uh, impulses in me that would just like not to be like this, you know, sometimes because it can be, uh, you know, it, it can be difficult and the world feels hostile a lot of the time. Uh, it feels less hostile when I understand myself. Um, and I'm not sort of uh, enslaved by conditioning and patterns that were imposed upon me. Uh, but I'm still aware that it's in order to take care of myself, I do need to be aware of the different degrees of safety uh, in terms of what I reveal and who I reveal it to in terms of how I behave. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm not going to walk around like a clam without a shell all the time uh, because that's not a good idea. Mm. So it's a combination of, of self-knowledge, 
awareness and boundaries, helping mm-hmm. to help help a highly sensitive man navigate life um, and and stay out of overwhelm as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you, and also you have to you do have to b- develop some resiliency. Um, I mean, you do uh, because right. there's a lot of cruelty out in the world, and it, as nice as it might be to think that if I share my whole self with everybody, that they're going to be respectful and they're going to be kind and they're going to make an effort to understand. That's just not the case. And even the most well-intentioned people, and especially if you're in intimate relationships, you're going to get hurt. Uh, and, and it's going to be unintentional a lot of the time. And uh, I think that, you know, part of my process now is to, it is possible, I think, based on my own experience for highly sensitive people to get better at uh, dealing with behaviors that they find uh, injurious uh, to their sensitivity. And I think it's necessary to continue to work with that uh, and look at it and ask yourself, a lot of my process has been like this, guys. Like for me, if somebody does something to me that's hurtful, I would interpret it as, well, if I did that, it would mean such and such. You know, uh, in other words, if I did that, I, w- I must really not like them. You know, and it's been part of my self-education has been to realize that uh, we're not all wired and put together the same way. I mean, some people will just throw off the meanest comment and it's very much a transient thing. There's not a lot of emotional weight behind it. Uh, but for me, it's like, well, if I said that, it would mean, you know, I was about to, you know, drop a 16 ton weight on you. It's like, it's not like that for everybody, you know? So I, and I think that that's actually something that it can start out as a, um, it's a disadvantage. Uh, in the in the respect that if you're highly sensitive, you know you you can get hurt emotionally uh, fairly easy uh, because of the the level of openness and the depth to which everything comes in. Uh, but on on at the same time, if you decide that you want to work with that and get more resilient and, and develop some more skillful discretion about how you interpret things, then you have a full palette to work with. Uh, when it comes to your emotional intelligence. Uh, and so you can really use that to your advantage to get more resilient without having to uh, sacrifice your innate nature. Yeah, because if, if a highly sensitive person is going to feel hurt easier, deeper, more often, might they also be easier and more often feeling positive emotions? and you know, are you the first to feel joy? The first to, to feel that like uh, a relationship is going really well? And you know, does it does it go both ways? The sensitivity emotionally. I I, I think that's fair to say. Uh, and I guess the way I would put it is that uh, you know, and I think this is true and common for highly sensitive people. It's true and common for me. Everything is so deeply meaningful, uh, so that when you feel hurt, it feels deeply meaningfully hurtful, uh, and when you feel joy and peace and uh, closeness and connection and satisfaction and all those things, those are also deeply meaningful. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny how many people say they want more meaning in life. Yet if you said, Oh, do you want to be highly sensitive? They probably say no. Well, again, it's, uh, there are so many negative connotations with it. And, um, uh, you know, I don't know what we do about that other than to keep having conversations like this, uh, sure. because I don't think you can, I don't think it's possible to really beat down a negative connotation until it goes away. I think what you do is you broaden the conversation, you know, often yeah. enough and in, you know, as many ways as you can so that you begin to get a situation where there's, there's a positive that sits alongside the negative and then right. people can start to see the contrast. And of course, you know, the more conversations we have like this, the more somebody can watch this and go, oh, those sensitive guys, what a bunch of wimps, man. I don't even if I can sit through this whole thing, you know? And, and then they watch it, they go, well, these guys are all right. You know, they're not sitting there, you know, complaining and whining and, you know, coming across as weak. You know, it's just like, well, yeah, these are kind of like regular guys, but they're just talking about this thing that I'm a little uncomfortable with and, you know, maybe it's not that bad, you know? And, and again, I think it's so important not to like bring out the heavy stick and go, 
everybody must be as sensitive as I am. It's like, no, I don't want that. <laughs> no, that's boring. <laughs> no, I, we don't need that. You know, we don't need that. And, and, and I mean, we need a mix of people that are going to just like rush into the breach, you know, and just start swinging. Yeah. And because that's a way to get things done. Uh, another way to get things done is to proceed more carefully and have a, you know, and have a, a fuller, deeper understanding and have, a, have, have something fully conceptualized. We need those things to coexist together. Uh, you know, and that's one of the things I've said before, too, that I, I really want to see is I want to see I want to see highly sensitive men coexist and more than that partner with the four out of five men. We need each other. Uh, because we have things that we can learn from each other. I learned a lot from friends uh, throughout high school and college that were not highly sensitive at all. They did a lot of things that, that honestly horrified me. I couldn't believe it, you know, some of the stuff they did uh, and, and kind of led me along with them. Um, but that was good for me because it, it built out my base of experience and, uh, and allowed me to kind of find out where my edges were. And that is something that I believe is very strongly is necessary and important for highly sensitive people, men and women, is to not just stay inside the boundaries of, of you know, how you see yourself. Uh, you you, you want to take care of yourself and you want to keep yourself safe and you don't want to get overwhelmed and blown out because it's very easy for highly sensitive people to just get their nervous systems and their bodies all blown out. Uh, you know, if you try to act like everybody else, um, the metaphor I've used is like, it's like trying to uh, pound nails with a microscope, you know, I mean, you're going to break the thing, you know, and you're not going to pound a whole lot of nails with it either. Um, so, um, yeah, I think it's, I think it's useful uh, to get out there and test yourself and, and test your edges in ways that are reasonable. Uh, and, and, um, and again, that's another way to, to build resiliency. You know, one of the things I find in myself, and I think this is true also, one of the downsides of all the preparation and processing and stuff is sometimes as highly sensitive people, we just hang back, you know, because we want to get it all sussed out. We want to get it all right. And, and that's not the best way to grow a lot of the time. A lot of the time is to get out there. And I learned that in, in corporate environments, you know, I would, I would work on working on a project, whether it's a schedule or a, a technical paper or whatever, I always wanted to get it right. I didn't want to see anybody any, see it until I, and I, I thought I had the whole thing. Well, I couldn't get the whole thing until somebody else saw it. You know, I would just spin my wheels forever. And I learned that it's better to put something out. And I'm still working with this with myself. It's better to put something out and have it not be flawless and get some feedback and rework it and keep putting it out and keep moving. Um, and I don't know if that's just me or maybe that's a, a thing with HSPs, you know, that you can get gridlocked uh, trying to get it all right. Uh, and yeah. so it's in that and just kind of loop back around what I was talking about. That's why it's good, I think, for highly sensitive men to be intermixed with the four and five who are not highly sensitive because we help each other. You know, uh, being around, uh, you know, the, the other four and five for me led me into territory I never would have gone into otherwise myself because I would have been hanging back and hanging back and hanging back well it was good for me it, it helped me expand and grow and again build resiliency uh, on the other hand if you have organizations uh, that are teams or whatever uh, that are completely built out of the four out of five you're going to have a lot of rockets blowing up on the path uh, you know <laughs> yeah, that's that's so true. Not yeah. just rocket blowing up on the pad, you're gonna have bombs going off in the room as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it's uh you know, it's uh I think a lot of the time the highly sensitive person is sort of almost like the works as an advisor, uh, you know, right. uh to basically uh and and there's tension, and I've always had that in organizations too. There's tension between the people that want to surge ahead, you know, and the people that are saying, Hold up a minute. It might be better if we just spend a week doing this and then we go. Uh, right. But again, that's why again that's why I say highly sensitive men, men who are not in that twenty percent, we need each other because yeah. we're incomplete without each other. And uh, you know the the four out of five sometimes need to be reminded that hey we can slow this down, you know. And the right. one out of five need to be reminded that like look let's move forward 
so that we can make some progress and then we'll make adjustments as we go. No more paralysis by analysis. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 You know, one of the things that, that's been kind of the back of my head during this conversation is I've been sitting here thinking about my own experiences, not just in this culture, but in different cultures around the world. I mean, the two cultures I'm most familiar with are the Latin culture because of my own family background. And of course, this culture, because again, it's part of my family background. It's where I've grown up. But, but sitting here wondering what other, what cultures, if there are any cultures out there, um, that we know of that might actually value and appreciate the what the highly sensitive people bring to the table, especially highly sensitive men. I, I would guess that it would be typically it would be subcultures within cultures uh, right. that have that kind of appreciation. So I don't know. I guess the thing that comes to mind for me is like in the you know in Middle Ages Europe, the monasteries, you know, where you had. Right. Yeah. You know, you had a, a little population of people that I don't know if they're highly sensitive or not. I'm just extrapolating and guessing. But if you think about, you know, uh, uh, all the, the the very intricate work that was done, the very painstaking work of copying these scripts and manuscripts and all this kind of stuff and that whole lifestyle, uh, that strikes me as maybe kind of a, a highly sensitive person type of subculture. Uh, mm -hmm. And I think that, uh, you know, I think, again, if you look at the arts, um, probably a lot of HSPs in the arts. Uh, sure. If you look at uh, some of the helping professions, probably a lot of HSPs in the helping professions. Uh, so I think, uh, you know, in a in sense of a broad culture, I'm not aware of one. In sense of right. in the sense of subcultures within a broader culture, I think that uh, you know those might be some examples. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I was just thinking just now, even like for instance, uh, uh, tribal cultures where the shaman. You know, the, the tribe's shaman could, in fact, be, you know, an HSP. I would, I would suspect as much, yeah. Because, again, we're talking about someone who has the capacity and is built to process a lot of information at once, take it in, uh, take in a lot of information at once at a lot of different levels, process it deeply, uh, go into that retreat space, go deep into that inner space, uh, and, and then emerge with something. Uh, that strikes me as a typical HSP kind of thing. Mm, yeah, in fact, uh, Lori just shared something here in the chat that she thinks that you may very well love taking a, uh, an assessment for that uh, about life purpose profiles because what you've been describing this whole time is the emotional intelligence specialist. Yeah, so. good. that's a good point. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Certainly, awesome. I agree with that, yeah. So you you mentioned that HSPs aren't a disorder, but do you think there's many highly sensitive people that are mistakenly labeled with disorders? Well, again, I'm not a clinician, um, but uh, I, I I wouldn't be surprised to find that there were, uh, especially uh, you know in preceding decades, uh, because uh, if you don't know what you are and you don't know why you're behaving the way you are, and you go to somebody and you say, I need help with this, and they don't know what you are either, um, there's a good chance they're gonna try to put some kind of label on you that they understand. Right, right, because uh, even, even this not being a disorder, it, it is a label as well, and any, any trait is labeling. Exactly, yeah, and, and prior, to, prior to this uh, label, for lack of a better word, existing, all you had was a, was a set of behaviors and experiences. Uh, and those could be mapped into all kinds of other things if somebody doesn't know what to do with them. Do you think it's it's easier or more difficult to grow up as a sensitive man today? <sighs> Boy, that's a hard one to answer. I think I, I'll, I'll just go off the top of my head. What came to me was um, I think it's just as hard but for different reasons uh, in some ways than what I experienced. Some different reasons. I mean, there's, there's overlap, uh, but certainly the culture that a boy is growing up in today is different than the culture that I grew up in the 1960s. Uh, but I still don't, I think some progress has been made uh, in terms of uh, sensitivity and men being acceptable. Uh, I'm gonna say this though, I feel like 
we've regressed a bit in the sense that uh, I see a lot of pressure and a lot of demands on men to be sensitive. Uh, and I, I don't think either one of those uh, ends of the spectrum is actually very healthy and very functional. Yeah, so it sounds like any... It's almost like now there's a... It's almost like there's a section of the culture that's, that, that takes the position that if men are not all equally sensitive, then, there's, then they're doing it wrong. Right. If, if so, if anyone, anything pressuring a man to be more or less sensitive than they naturally are creates problems. That's perfectly stated. Yeah. And, I'm, and I'm, I am absolutely militantly against that. <laughs> yeah. Because I think that there, there's, seem, there's generally more openness for men to be feeling. But especially for, for kids, there's, there's way more ways to be bullied and mm -hmm. abused and, than there were when I was growing up as True. well. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that it's, uh, I guess the, I'll make another half crazy statement perhaps. Uh, I guess the thing I could say about, you know, the time, uh, the, the state of the culture when I grew up is like, there wasn't any confusion about how I thought I was supposed to be, you know, in terms of what was being externally imposed. It was very clear. Uh, now what I see is uh, a lack of clarity, and I'm not saying that one's better than the other, but sometimes having you know an infinite number of options can be crippling, uh, and and so I think that that's a challenge now too, uh, that, yeah. that that I didn't have. It's just like I I knew exactly you know what the criteria were, uh, I, I didn't meet them a lot of the time, and that was a problem. Uh, now I I feel like you know it could be like an overabundance of possibilities uh, can yeah. also be uh, almost oppressive in some ways for some kids. Right. Yeah. Well, actually, there's plenty of studies out there that show that, you know, when we have fewer choices available to us, we're much more likely to not only feel happier, but also more likely to make decisions and you know, move mm -hmm. forward. Yeah. 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 Sense. yeah. And one other point I want to make sure I, uh, that I make is that, uh, being a highly sensitive person, and I kind of alluded to it before a couple of times, being a highly sensitive person doesn't mean you're better than other people. It doesn't right. mean that you're, uh, that you're uh, somehow automatically more advanced, more mature. It doesn't mean that you won't um, do things that are hurtful to other people. It doesn't mean that uh, you're somehow high, a higher evolved being, and it doesn't mean that you don't have to do your own work uh to develop your to develop the emotional intelligence that's available to you uh it doesn't automatically confer exalted status on a person to say that they're highly sensitive <laughs> yeah, i, I love like that to be the case that, that, that for the for the prejudice to go that way yeah oh exalted highly sensitive one how are you today yeah. right <laughs> right but I, that's one of those that's one of those impressions that i like to try to dispel up front uh, you know, I like to, the, to go after that one proactively yeah. uh, because, uh, you know, yeah, I'm a highly sensitive person. And because of the damage that I sustained growing up, um, I was pretty passive aggressive when I was younger. So it's like, guess what? You can be highly sensitive and passive aggressive at the same time. <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, poor, poor guys. We're getting hammered from every direction, aren't we? <laughs> yeah. Well, you got to I'm writing itself. As well. You have to own your life. You know, Absolutely. it doesn't, it doesn't yeah. matter, you know, what your innate nature is. You have to own your life, you know? That. <laughs> if, if, if there's a highly sensitive man, or maybe there's a, there's a guy that's hearing this term for the first time right now, listening to us talk about it, Rick and, and Apio as well, what, what's one piece of advice for the for person discovering that they are highly sensitive and not sure what to do with it? Uh, I would say go and find that Elaine Aaron book, The Highly Sensitive Person, How to Thrive When Life Overwhelms You. Yeah. Or I, if you don't want to get the book, go to her website uh, and uh, you can Google it. You can find it easily. She has a self-test on there. Take the self-test. I know self-tests, people go, oh my God, what is this Cosmo or something? It's like, no, this is the test that she's been using, that she's, that she's been using diagnostically. And at least just take it and see where you score on the thing. Uh, but I would say, you know, to, in direct answer to your question, get her book and read it, um, because that is the starting point as far as I'm concerned. Great. Yeah, I love that, and I, and I would say, yeah, do that, and then you know, practice what you learn.
mm-hmm. but it's to use and you know become aware and and know when it's appropriate to share that sensitivity and when you need to just learn the circumstances in which you right. can be highly sensitive and others when it's like okay you know what i'm still aware but i'm not going to display it right right yeah yeah, yeah it's I, about I, learning how to live strategically you know yeah with it. So, <laughs> oh yes yeah and of course the other thing I, I would have to say andy is that like you know if you're a man who's listening to or a woman either uh if you're listening to this and you think oh i might be highly sensitive and i'd like to get some help uh, learning how I can uh, make the most of this uh, and and uh, learn about myself, you know, you can contact me. I've coached highly sensitive people uh, and uh, I offer a free one hour discovery session. We can have a conversation about it and you can decide if that's something you want to pursue with me or not. Super. So, so what's the best way for people to reach you, Rick? Uh, my website is rickbeldoncoaching.com. And if you go there, you'll see everything that you need if you uh, want to explore further with me. Cool. And I'll be sure, um, wherever you may be listening to this, visit the realmenfeel.org blog, and we'll have links to Rick's site, we'll have links to Elaine's book, we'll have links to the self-test, and, uh, and maybe in the, in the next show, we'll report our results. Good idea. <laughs> yeah. See, we're already scheduling you for the next one. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> I'm already in that. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I'd love to do that. You know, we're... Last time we had a really good conversation about father wound and mother wound. This time we've had, I think, a really good conversation about highly sensitive men, highly sensitive people. So yeah, I would, anytime you guys want to have me back, I, I think we can cook up something. Do, do they overlap at all? Is, would a highly sensitive person be more likely to have wounds or would the wounds create a highly sensitive person? Is there a correlation? I think that's a really great question. Uh, and the way I look at it is this, if you take uh, two children uh, and you put them in the same situation, and one is highly sensitive, and the other is not, and uh, we're talking about a situation where there's dysfunction, there's neglect, there's abuse in the family, uh, I would believe that the highly sensitive child would come out of that situation with more damage. Uh, and the reason is because, again, we're talking about someone who physiologically, psychologically, emotionally takes in more information than the other child does, and takes it in more deeply, and everything feels much more meaningful. Everything is invested with tremendous meaning. Uh, And so the wounding, uh, I would say, tends to go deeper, it tends to be broader, it tends to have deeper roots, uh, and and everything uh, tends to sink a little farther in. Uh, And and because of the innate need to process things, uh, it's gonna require some deeper processing to work back through it, uh, but again, the the results of that are going to be very um, profound uh, in terms of healing and in terms of improvement. And uh, and that's not to say that the other child wouldn't sustain damage that has to be dealt with too. Uh, but I think we're talking about you know to use kind of a I don't know kind of a like really high level metaphor. It's almost like you got a small sponge and a big sponge, you know, and you and you soak them both with water. Well, you know, you're, the small one's going to get wrung out and dry faster than the big one does. Cool. That's a nice way of looking at it. If you're raised by sponges. Yeah. Well, you don't know who's listening. Well, and actually that SpongeBob SquarePants, he's highly sensitive. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. It's a good example. Yeah. Cool. Well, uh, this again has been a fascinating subject and I feel like you keep going forever on this one, especially as as you discover and open up to your to our own sensitivity. I think we're all kind of self-identified as, as highly sensitive people here. Um, but uh, you know, one thing to to realize if people are discovering this for the first time that that you're not alone. You're you know you're at least one in five, right? Right, right. <laughs> so that's yeah, right. yeah, and that, and again, that 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 to me uh, that amplifies the need for understanding this because we're, we're talking about a fairly, again, we're talking about men specifically. This is a large number of men that we're talking about. You know, if these numbers are correct, it's a very large number of men. And that means that even if you're not, you know, somebody who is, Mm -hmm. you know, several men who are, they may not know they are, but they're around you. So even if you're not one five reading the book, learning more about this can help you know about your friends better too. Well, sure. I think it would. And I think, uh, you know, again, if we're talking about relationships and partnerships, 
if you're in you know a partnership with someone who knows that he or she is highly sensitive you know you might want to take a look at the book uh, because it might help you understand some of the behaviors that are just confounding to you cool well, I want to uh, thanks again for another great conversation and I, I, I bet there's gonna be a third <laughs> and uh, everyone can uh, can get in touch with you at rickbeldencoaching.com and for all the other links, everything we discussed, I will track down the links and post them at realmenfeel.org. And, uh, and thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me on again. This is another great conversation. Really enjoyed it. Flew right by. Awesome. It, did. it yeah. did. All right. Have a good night, everybody. Have a good night, guys. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Real Men Feel. Until next week, visit realmenfeel.org or the Real Men Feel Facebook group and share what you thought of this episode. Please give this podcast a review on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you are discovering Real Men Feel. Reach out to us at realmenfeel at gmail.com. Show us some love by visiting realmenfeel.org slash swag or digitaltipjar.com slash realmenfeel. Learn more about Andy Grant at theandygrant.com and Apio Hunter at apiohunter.com.